0: Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. Psalm 133, it's such a short psalm, we're going to read that rascal again. Let's read it together, okay? We're in the middle of a, a series on the... Psalms, we've been teaching through various Psalms, and we're at Psalm 133, a song of ascent of David. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of the, his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I remember where I was on 9-11, do you remember? Can you recall where you were when you when you first heard about nine eleven? I remember Jenny and I were actually in our in the what do you call that? It's like a lounge at seminary, and, and looking at the screens, and just being everybody just gathering around. And uh, I remember that. Many of you remember that. Some of you remember. Maybe some of us might remember where when, where you were when Pearl Harbor when you first heard about Pearl Harbor few of us probably do. Those things, 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, they have something in common. They're, they were a, attacks that occurred on American soil, right? And we're blessed, aren't we, as Americans? We haven't had a lot of fighting take place in the last century in our backyard. Um, we're blessed in that respect. And, but, but if you I want you to understand that most of the world have, have experienced war and conflict, And even though we don't don't have a lot of conflict on American soil um, in regard to war, we seem to have our hand in it all the time, don't we? All across the globe. In 2016, there's a Global Peace Index. It reported that in all the countries of the world in 2016, there were only 10 countries in the world that was free, totally free from conflict. See, we know conflict, we know war, don't we? In fact, think about it. Since the fall, man's been at war. Right after the fall, what happened? How do we know that sin was really terrible and had a terrible effect after the fall, after Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden? You know the next story? Cain and Abel, terrible brothers, siblings at war with one another, right? And then right after that, you, soon after that, you had Jacob and Esau, right? They're battling they're fighting each other in the womb. Some of us, Mamas and Brian, we think it's bad because we got siblings fighting at home. Well, these cats were fighting in the womb, right? Let's get it on, right? Um, and think about the nation of Israel. Since since Sinai, since Mount Sinai, they were there gathering or getting the law from God. The law of God came and they received it. I mean, they were established as a nation at that point. And, and since that time, they've just been at war, hadn't they? It, throughout the, the Scriptures and even up to the modern day. And so we understand conflict, even though we maybe, uh, unlike many in the world, we haven't seen that firsthand. Some of us have, but many of us, most of us haven't. We can understand conflict, disunity, right? I mean, we're often at conflict at home, aren't we? And some of us, you know, our kids, if if you you, you would take uh, any of the kids and and go out on an outing or they, you know, kids would come to, like my kids, they go to your house and you would never, you would have trouble with my kids. I'm not bragging on my kids. It just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have trouble with my kids. Yes or no, sir. And they would do what you ask them and this, and another, but your kids, right? As I'm looking around faces, your kids would do the same thing. Yeah. Christian come to my house, never had a bit of trouble. Preston come to my house, never had a bit of trouble. Annabeth never had a bit, not going to have a bit of trouble, right? But at home, what happens? These sweet, wonderful angels, they get fangs and claws, right? And they go 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 at each other's throats, right? Why is that? Isn't that amazing? These sweet little kids, but when you get them home, all of a sudden it's battle royal, its own, right? Yeah, you see this clash. There's conflict and disunity. Yeah, but we we see it at home, right? And think about it. Even in our marriages, I mean, we we. Men, we get out on one knee and we ask this lady's hand in marriage and we say, I want to be faithful to you for the rest of my days and I, I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And then what happens? With people that we love more than anybody in the world that knows us best, what happens? Yeah, there's just, there's just conflict. It's inevitable, isn't it? It happens. But not just at, at home. What about with, just among friends? Friends. You know you have people that you really like to spend time with outside the home, you know, group friends, you have best friends like man, we just get along and, and and we think about think rightly and and the same about so many things and we we get along so well. But then you put, you know, 8 or 10 friends in a in a 14 passenger bus and you travel 8 hours on that van. What happens by the time you get to your destination even though you're just the best the friends, right? Yeah, what happens? We see selfish ambition flaring up, right, rearing its ugly head. We, we see fighting and disunity, don't we? We see discord. Yeah, what about at work? You experience disunity and strife and conflict at work? Yeah, some of you are sitting there right now. and You're dreading going to work tomorrow. And not because you don't like to work and you're lazy. It's just because there's conflict there. Man, you just know, man, I'm with butting heads with my boss or butting heads with this person, or butting heads with secretary, or button heads with somebody, right? Yeah, conflict, disunity. You you've understand it, don't you? We understand that. And not only there, home, you know, with our friends at work, but we we sometimes we experience that at church, don't we? And it's not surprising. I mean, think about it. I mean, look around the room. We've got people from all different walks of life. different age brackets, different socioeconomic groups, people that you look around and going, man, I don't have anything in common with these people. But yet we come together, not just to be church. We don't just come together on Sunday morning. No, we come together with people and say, look, I want to be family. we got two people we're going to introduce here in just a little bit. They're saying, I don't want to just go to church with you guys. I want to be family with you. I want to be part of your church family. Then we look around at people like, man, what do we have in common with these people? Sometimes we're like, we don't really have much in common with people. Lisa, she's a Yankee, right? (laughs) Yeah. and you It's just like this. But I'm looking around. I mean, it's like, what do we have in common, you know? You know, Miss Norfay, what do we have in common? Jay, what do we have in common? You know, and some of us have more in common than others. You know, But some of us are like, man, we really don't have anything in common. The only thing we have in common is Jesus, and that's it. But you know what? That's enough, isn't it? That's enough. That's what brings us together. That's why we're here today. It's not here because we all like to hunt, or we all like this, or we all like that, or we're all the same age, right? No, we're here today because of Christ, and that's what, that's what unites us. But we are familiar with conflict. And David, the author of this psalm, he was familiar with conflict, wasn't he? Think about it. When he took the throne, Saul was dethroned by the Lord. And given David, he was given the reign, the rule over Israel and that authority. But there was so much going on. At that, at, during that point in time, there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of conflict. The Philistines were waging war against the, the Israelites. And what David had to do, he had to go to war. And he went to war, and he won. At first, he won every battle. And he unified that country. And, and for a long time during his reign, there was peace in Israel. But unfortunately, one day when kings went off to war, David decided to stay home. And from that point on, there was conflict in David's, not only his household, but in his kingdom. Notice the structure here of this psalm. It's three verses. The first, the first verse tells us the theme, what this the this, this psalm's all about. And then the next two verses, there's two illustrations that paint a picture of what this unity is about. It's all about unity, right? Well, what was happening in, in this psalm, it's a psalm of a sin, and what the people were doing, Israelites, they would go to Jerusalem during the festival time. And they would go and they would... Sometimes they would sing songs that they would go along the way. And some of them had to travel long distances. And they would go and they would just kind of camp out, you know, along the way. And they would travel together in groups because there were bandits and there weren't a lot of roads. As you go there now, there's paved roads and highways. But at the time, there were just trails. And they would band together and they would travel together in, in, in groups. And they would go up to Jerusalem for the, the celebration to offer sacrifice and to worship at the temple. Notice what it says in verse one. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. This take notice, behold, take notice. Hey, this is something to take notice of. It's something to pay attention to. It was good when they would travel together, not just because they they were unified, because they had a common purpose and have a common goal. You see, they're going to Jerusalem and they're gonna they're gonna experience worship. The temple, remember, that's where the temple was, the Holy of Holies was. That's the presence of God. It represented the, the Lord's house, the Lord's place, the Lord's dwelling. And they're going there, and they're going to offer sacrifice, and they're going to worship according to the law of Moses. And they're unified. And it's good when they go and they get along, and they're singing, and they're doing that together. Unity's good, and it says it's pleasant. I had a family, Jenny and I, and we were um, kind of getting to know one another and through our engagement and and marriage and the few years we were there in Louisville after we were married, we spent a lot of time with this one family, Dan and Alba Rice. I talk about them uh, from time to time and they're a sweet, sweet couple. But their family, they just had it together. They had four kids and they were, you know, kids are sinful and they were sinful. But, man, they just seemed like they just loved each other and their family. They just had had it together. And so Ginny and I, we recognized that and we just wanted to spend time with them and they welcomed us and we spent a lot of time with them. And it was good, and it was pleasant to be with this family because they were unified. The husband and the wife, they loved each other, and the kids, they submitted to authority. And we got to see how they interacted and how they fought and how they reconciled and how they had conflict and how they reconciled that and how they disciplined their children and how they It was just good. But it was good and pleasant just to see this family. And we wanted to be a part of that. We wanted to learn as we were beginning our family How to do that and how to do it well. We want to learn from someone like that. It is good and it is pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. David gives two illustrations next. Just to kind of paint a picture of this. How sweet and how good this unity is. And The pictures that he he paints here in verse 2 and 3... We're not real familiar with, and I'm going to, as an expositor, my job is to help you understand those texts, and I'm going to try to do that in just a second. But if we're thinking about something that's good and sweet, what would we think, what would we reminisce about? What word picture or what experience in life would come to our minds? Yeah, that's good, Lisa. And I thought about that too. That's on my list. Yeah, think about it. We say, oh, something good and sweet. The first time you held that little baby girl in, you, in your arms. Woo. Get you, and you know, that's good. There's nothing like it, is it? And there's, there's something about that firstborn, that first one. It's like, man, all the other ones, you love them all the same. But, man, the first time you hold that little, and you're like, man, this is mine. And I got I to gotta do something with this from now on, you know. But isn't it sweet? You, you remember it, Terry? You remember that first one? You're just like, wow. Man, that's good and that's pleasant, isn't it? Or, or maybe, some, maybe another image that came to my mind that I wrote down is, um, Do you remember the first time, the first time you kissed your husband or your wife? you remember? Rick, do you remember? Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. 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 (laughs) Good job, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Rick, I I pick on Rick because you're sitting right here. It's like you're on the own deck circle, you know, just so close. Um, But yeah, you think about it. Like, I remember first time I kissed my, my wife, you know? It's like, yeah, I remember those things. And you know what? It was so good and it was so pleasant, right? just makes you smile, you know? Just thinking about it. Yeah, how good and how pleasant when when brothers dwell in unity. And so, David, he's, he's trying to paint a picture here. Yeah, unity is so good. We have a common purpose and we're getting along. We have the same goal. We're getting along and we're living that life together. They're making their way to... Temple to worship. How good it is when we do this together, and we're singing together, and we're getting along, and we have a common purpose. Yeah, it's great. And so he paints the picture, and he uses two similes. Right, similes a comparison using what? Like, like yeah. Do you know this was all young voices said that? Right. The elders was like, I'm not real sure. I remember that word. Yes, using the comparison using like or as. And so what he says, it is, it is what this unity, this brothers dwelling in unity. Verse two, it is like, and he gives the first. Word picture, first little illustration, little simile. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the head, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robe. And you're like going, "Yeah, I think the the first bo- holding the firstborn child or the first kiss of your spouse, that's a lot sweeter. We understand that a lot better than we do this. But let me just kind of explain what's going on here. Hold, hold your hold your place there in Psalm 133, and then let's flip over to Exodus 29. Flip over to Exodus twenty-nine. Exodus twenty-nine, page eighty-one in your black pew Bible. There. If you didn't have your Bible, you can grab that Bible and look. Read this for us. Uh, read this with us. Look at. Um, in fact, look look at chapter thirty, Look a couple pages, verse twenty-two, and this is. Instruction. Moses is given instruction on this anointing oil that's going to be poured on Aaron's head, and Aaron, of course, is the high priest. And what what's happening here is he's being installed as the high priest, and his sons are being installed as the high priest, and they're become the high priest from now on, right? Their family they're they're set aside as the high priest. and And notice this oil. What he says about this oil in verse twenty two take a take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, five hundred shekels, and of sweet smelling cinnamon, half as much. That is two hundred and fifty and two hundred fifty of aromatic aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and its utensils. And it goes on to say all you're going to do. And look at verse 30. You shall use it to anoint Aaron as his sons, and consecrate them that they may serve me as priest. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. And then flip over to Exodus 29, verse 4 through 7. He's going to say what you're going to do with this special oil, right? 29, verse 4, You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breast... Peace and the gird and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod, and you shall set the turban on his head, and put the holy crown on his turban. And you're like, what's all this? All this garb? This is what the the priest Moses was commanded by the Lord to teach them. This is what the high priest is supposed to wear. Verse seven: You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you, you shall bring his sons and put coats on them, and you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them, and the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his son. So this first this first illustration and picture, we don't really understand it. It's not such a beautiful picture to us, but hey, to the Israelites, it was a beautiful picture. Let me try to explain why that is. They're going up to the, the temple to to worship and to offer sacrifices. And who would help them with those sacrifices? Could anybody do that? No, it had to be a Levite. And, and this high priest was set apart to do this during the feast, especially during the Day of Atonement. I mean, think about these Israelites that are going up to the temple, and that's where the Lord dwelt, the Holy of Holies. That's the of, symbolic of the presence of the Lord. And so they would go there, and they would worship the Lord. They would draw near to the Lord, and they would worship and have fellowship. And this, this, this high priest would help them with the sacrifice. And the sacrifice, what would the sacrifices do? The sacrifices were given to the Lord so that they could have fellowship with this Lord. Now, in the Old Covenant, there's still barriers there, right? I mean, who could go in the Holy of Holies? Aaron or his sons, right? Only the high priest could go in and represent the people in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go in and and, and mediate. He was a go-between, if you will, between sinful Israel and this holy, wonderful Creator God. And so for them... Traveling up to the temple, for them it was a beautiful and sweet and good and pleasant thing. Why? Because they could go and worship the Lord. Why? Because the high priest and his role. Because what did he do? He, he, he would offer the sacrifice that you would bring on your behalf. And he would enter the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. And he would make sacrifices for the sins of the people. So for us, we don't really get it. What well, about the oil and running out. You think, man, that's mad. That to be hard to get out of, you know. That doesn't even sound good. But for them, it was, it was. Man, what did they represent? This anointed, holy uh, priest. He was set apart, anointed for this purpose. So for them, it was beautiful, and it was wonderful, and it was pleasant. Why? Because they could go and worship the living God. And they could do that because of this priest and his role, this mediating role. The second illustration is similarly bewildering and maybe just a little bit more understandable. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. And you think, well, okay, what's what's going on with this Hermon? Well, Jerusalem, if you go there, it's a it's brown. It's brown all the time. It's, a, it's, a, it's desert. It's rock and it's brown. But off in the distance, there's a mountain. And if you Wikipedia or you look up online, Mount Hermon, it's going to show you a picture. And this picture is this snow-capped mountain. It's over 9,000 feet tall. What happens is it receives a lot of rain. And even in the dry summer months, it's green. It's an oasis. So you're in Jerusalem, but you can look up and you can see Mount Hermon, snow-capped. What happens during the summer months is that snow melts. And what does it do? It runs down that mountain. It runs to the Sea of Galilee. And from the Sea of Galilee, it runs out into the Jordan Valley, out into the Dead Sea. But what happens is that mountain is responsible for irrigating that whole nation. It's an oasis. It's a beautiful, lush place. He says... This unity, dwelling together in unity, is like the dew of Hermon. Which falls on the mountains of Zion. Zion, of course, is Jerusalem. They're going to Jerusalem to worship. Man, this unity, this sweet unity that we have among one another. We have a common purpose and we're getting along and we're going up to to worship. Man, this is sweet. This is like the, the... the oil that runs down on the high priest, and that a sweet thing—it's like the dew of Hermon. luscious and green—and then that wonderful. For us, it's, it's kind of difficult for us to get excited about those things. But we, of course, in we're in the new covenant, aren't we? But unity is just as sweet, isn't it? We live under the new covenant. And that's what Adam was teaching at the Lord's Supper. We're new covenant believers. Because of what Christ has done for us, we can draw near to the Lord with what? Timidly? With much fear? No, with boldness, right? We can draw near to Him with boldness. Why? Because of what Christ has done for us. He's made atonement for us. And not only does He made atonement for us, but guess what? Just like that high priest, He is a mediator, but Jesus is a greater high priest, right? Because he not only made atonement for our sin, once and for all, the book of Hebrews tells us, but he also continually makes intercession for us. He's our mediator. But in the new covenant, we, we, we love unity too, don't we? Unity, sweet. And what unifies us? What I said earlier, Christ and his work, right? For all of us who are We have placed our faith in Christ. There's a unity there. It draws us close together. We have that common purpose and common goal is to glorify Christ and to please Him and to follow Him. And so that's why we gather together is to help each other follow Christ, to help each other be obedient in our own walks with the Lord. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 17 real quickly. This high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying in the garden. He prays this high priestly prayer in verse 20. He says, I do not ask for these only, speaking of his disciples, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He asked that they be one. He He asked for unity. So when I'm thinking about this unity, I'm thinking about this high priestly prayer. And Jesus, he prayed that for us, that we'd be one. And what's our standard for unity? What did he say? Just, he's speaking to the Father, right? The Father and the Son relationship. That's our standard. He wants us to be unified like that is. That's quite a standard, isn't it? I think of, Philippians chapter 4, when Paul addresses Eodia and Seneca, and he says, you need to be help them that they can be reconciled, right? He wants us to be reconciled, not just to him, but he wants to be reconciled to one another. Ephesians chapter 4. It's interesting how Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, and he says, they are unified. He says, I Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It's interesting. God doesn't tell us to create unity among ourselves. We as the church, if, if we're believers, we already have unity. Because of who we are in Christ. There's, We have a common goal, we have a common purpose, so we're unified. But what he tells us here is, Be eager to maintain unity. Maintain unity. So we're called to be unified. How good and pleasant is when brothers walk together in unity. And as a church, it's real sweet, isn't it, when brothers and sisters walk together in unity. And and what's real exciting about our church, I had a guy yesterday ask me, hey, man, how's it going at church? I'm like, well, that's always a loaded question, isn't it? Because things are going really well think, man, it's going really well. But there always could be going better, right? You're never satisfied with that. But I really think, man, our church, we just hit a sweet spot, Hunter, and people just really love being together. And when we get together, it's like people aren't just in a hurry to get out the door. People just really enjoy being together. Isn't that sweet? How good and sweet it is, isn't it? But he he warns us in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bear with one another in love. Yeah, what can destroy our unity, Morgan? If we're not if we're proud, if we're not gentle, right? If we demand our own way. Yeah, that can that can cause disunity. And so what are we what are we commanded to do? Scripture teaches to be eager to maintain unity. So we have to work with that, church. Man, we're the a sweet spot. I think we're really loving each other and we're growing in that. But we gotta we gotta work at it. So application for us today as we we close up. What would be application for us as a church? Because we're we're unified in Christ, we have to work at being keeping that unity. And just like in your marriage, right? Sometimes in your marriage, you have to say, "I'm sorry, hey, I blew that. I didn't handle that this morning. I left the house and I was mad and I said this, this. I'm sorry, that was wrong." You, sometimes you have to be reconciled, don't you? You have to ask forgiveness and be reconciled. And sometimes, what I call, I call taking an inventory, you just have to sit down and say, "Are, are things okay?" kind of giving the cold shoulder, you have just been kind of quiet. Are, are things okay? Are things all right? We have to do that with one another. I do that. I've done that with many of you, right? Are you okay? Everything all right? Tell us how it's going. Yeah, we, need to, we need to do that. So church, we've got to work at being unified. So our, our application is, is that. Let's work at it. Let's pray for it. God, help us to be unified as a church. Help us love people well. And Lord, when there's an issue, help us to be reconciled quickly. And and honestly, if you're not a believer, you say, well, I don't really understand all this unity stuff anyway. I understand that, and rightly so. You need to repent and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. He was buried. He was put in a tomb. He rose on the third day so that you could have life and you could be unified, not only with God but with one another. So that's our application for today. We've got a couple of folks I'm going to introduce to you. Um, they want to be a part of our church family. Dan and Sadie Ridgely. They have, if, if you're not familiar with our policy, what we do, we have what's called a membership dinner. We have folks who we meet with, Jenny and I, we usually have them at our house and we talk about the church and. What we believe, we go through our statement of beliefs, and this is what we hold to, this is what we teach, and um, according to the scriptures, and then we have question and answer time. And so that's happened with Dan and Sadie, and they've been able to ask all those questions, and they've spent time with us, been here for quite a while, getting to know us, and us getting to know them. And so our policy is after we hear about their testimony and where they are with the Lord, as pastor i can recommend them to be part of our church family and so that's what i'm doing today recommending dan and sadie be a part of our church family and now what i want to do is i want to read their stories to you i'm going to read them and i'm going to read dan's first he says i felt that something or someone was greater than me for as long as i can remember that eternity in our hearts right is January 25th of 2016 as Gabriel, their, their son, was in the uh, NICU unit. It was the first time I truly called out to the Lord. Sadie and I started to attend church around Easter of that year. And I was baptized in June on the 26th, 2016. And it's been amazing the work that he has done in me. Taking me from non-belief to a faith that I I'm, can't imagine living without now. So that's his testimony and I feel... Strong, strongly that he trusts the Lord, has trust the Lord, and wants to walk with the Lord. He understands our uh, church um, covenant, and he wants to be a part of what we're doing here and be a part of our family. Dan, do not you come on up? Come on up with me. Do, does what I'm going to ask is anybody in the church just want to affirm, uh, want to affirm Dan as he makes his way up? All right. Sorry, of here. Yeah. Sure, sure. Good. Good deal, brother. Well, Sadie, she says, I was introduced to church as a small child, so I grew up knowing about God and Jesus, but it wasn't until 2016 that I was confronted with the truth. I had merely been playing church most of my life. I didn't truly believe and surrender my life to Jesus, but I did repent and was baptized September 18th, 2016. Life has been truly amazing since then. I'm blessed to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is continuing to grow me in my uh, repentance and in my love for I'm going to ask Sadie, won't you come on up and join Dan up here? Anybody want to affirm Sadie? She wants to be a part of our church. Stacy McWilliams, she she sent me a message and wanted me to read this to Sadie, and she's not able to be here. She has sick kids. She says, from the first day I met you, I feel like there was an instant friendship. You're an honest and open woman who loves the Lord. I've seen you struggle but also grow in your walk with Christ over the past year or so. You have been an encouragement to me, she says, in my family as we have walked through difficult situations you sending me encouraging notes and messages and biblical truths when I so desperately needed them uh, I can't wait to see how the Lord is going to use you here at beaver and not only uh, to grow in your walk with him but also to serve others this is with love Stacy Mac. Right, so from Stacy McWilliams so the sweet couple they come wanting to be a part of our church family and what I want to do before um, we go any further is we just want to. I'm going to read our covenant together. You say, "Well, what's it, what do you mean covenant? It's just a promise as we have together, and we're it's an agreement we're coming together and saying this is what I believe and this is what I want to do." Having been brought by the grace of uh, of God to repent, and believe in the Lord Jesus, having been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, believing that Christ has led us to become part of the fellowship of this church family, we now choose to renew our covenant with one another. So they're saying they want to make a covenant with us. As members of the of our church, we'll work and pray for unity among the members of this body, choosing to love one another even uh, as we love ourselves. And that's kind of fitting since today we talked about unity, right? So they're saying we want to pray for the unity of our church. We'll walk together in brotherly love, exercise affectionate care for one another, and faithfully encourage and exhort one another as occasion may require. Yeah, it's just family life, isn't it? We'll not forsake the meeting and fellowship with our brothers and sisters and we'll not neglect to pray for ourselves and one another. Part of being a part of our church is saying, yeah, I want to be a part of the church, but I want to be here and be involved in what's going on in the life of the church. We'll strive to bring up our children and any under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and by a pure and loving example to seek the salvation of our families and friends. You know, that, that old adage, it takes a village to raise a kid, you know, it kind of does. And um, what we do as a church family is we want to help right? Them and their family as they help us in ours. I know for me, that's one of the biggest blessings of being at church is I know people are going to speak into my kids' lives and say things that I'm saying, but other people sometimes speak in their lives, they listen a little more attentively, don't they? Next, we will rejoice at one another's happinesses and by tenderness and sympathy bear with one another's burdens and sorrows. And we have burdens and sorrows, don't we? And that's what we do at church. We try to carry one another's sorrows and burdens, Right? We'll seek by His grace to live in a manner striving for holiness in the world. This includes how we use social media, and as we remember that we have been buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in the newest life. And and Dana said, do they represent Christ, right, already, because they're believers. But if they say, hey, we want to be a part of the church, what they're saying is we want to represent the church well also, and that involves every aspect of our life, right? We'll submit ourselves to the discipline of this church, or the testimony of our desire to always walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You know that's a big deal. If we want to be a part of a church. You're saying, you know, I want to, I want help in my walk with the Lord. And if I'm if I'm not seeking to please the Lord, or I get astray, or I wander off, I want somebody to get involved in my life. I want the church to help me to stay on the path of following Christ. Okay. We'll uphold and defend the doctrines of the faith against all who would come against them and consequently against the Word of God. You know, we know our church, we're, it's not a country club where we pay dues, right? And you're just involved and you get to all the privileges. We're here because of the Scriptures, right? That's our authority, and that's what unites us together, and And we hold dear the Word of God, right? We'll contribute cheerfully and regularly to support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, and the spread of the gospel throughout all the nations, you know? Dan Sadie. Who pays for those lights? We do, right? Yeah, that's what we do, man. We just pull it together. We do it together, right? And that's just the way it works in the in the church. Yeah, we do it together, right? All the expenses. And we we, you know, we're gonna take all our gifts the Lord gives us and we're gonna do ministry, right? And and the great thing about our church and our church polity is we all have a say so in how that takes place, right? We'll serve one another using the gifts God has granted us in His sovereignty and grace, and in so doing, we'll strive always to rely on the power of His Holy Spirit that all glory may be given to Him. Yeah. That's what we do. We use our gifts, don't we? We use our gifts to... And Ephesians 4 tells us, as we, as believers, come together and use our gifts, what happens? We mature and we grow. Yeah, that's how the, the body grows. We will. And what what happens if, if something happens and their work carries them away? And what they're saying, not just our church, but they're saying, hey, If we have to leave here, if the Spirit leads us to move from this place, we'll unite with some other church as soon as possible, keeping ourselves under the oversight and discipline of the church. At such time, we will continue to carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's Word. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. And we need grace, don't we? To be a a good church member, to be a, a good church, we need grace, don't we? Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information and we'll see you next time.